Hi, I'm Aiden Nowlin. I'm Tiffany Ball. And I'm Nikolai Rice. And I'm Eric Scow. And this is The War Without End. So for this podcast, we're pretty much going to be recapping the past four podcasts that we've already shot. Uh, and this is the final edition of The War Without End. So uh, Tiffany, would you like to start? Uh, yeah, thank you. I'm going to start by discussing our first podcast, which uh, um, was about how President Richard Nixon declared drug abuse to be public enemy number one in the 70s and the increased federal funding of drug control agencies in 1973. The Drug Enforcement Administration created out of, excuse me, uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration was created out of the meager, I'm sorry, the Office for Drug Abuse Law Enforcement, the Bureau of Narcotics, and the Dangerous drugs in the Office of Narcotics Intelligence were created to consolidate the federal efforts to control drug abuse. And afterwards, even with these organizations, the drug abuse rate just increased. And yeah, we're going to go into the 80s with Nikolai. So in the 80s, there was a lot of... um, conversion from crack to cocaine. Sorry, excuse the interruption. And now we'll continue as we were before we were rudely interrupted. So, during the 80s, there was a lot of um cocaine being brought into the United States and people started to realize that it could be easier to bring it in and easier to sell it through crack and there became the crack epidemic where it was easy to sell it in smaller amounts for cheaper people it was much cheaper in the rock form and um, with such a high rise of crack in the 1980s they the police introduced the 100 to 1 ratio law which made it so that uh uh, any crack arrest or anybody who was busted for crack would be prosecuted 100 times harsher than any other drug even cocaine so just because it was the same drug but in a different form they would be prosecuted 100 times more harsh and this was largely focused around African-American communities and things like that because um, African-Americans were in poor communities at the time more commonly and they would be more uh, more involved with crack than cocaine because it was more affordable so when this 100 to 1 ratio law came out it had a big impact on african-american and young blacks in the communities because all of them were being treated 100 times harsher than the white rich people who were doing cocaine and would get minor charges for that and so this kind of led to the rise of the crack epidemic with it becoming really big at the beginning of the 80s to how they kind of eventually beat it 
and there was no one factor that beat the Crockett epidemic. It was more of just growing and people learning over time how it had screwed up their parents or screwed up people in the past that they had seen and there was no healing from it. It's just they realized what, what it had done to people and eventually it came to an end because nobody wanted to do it anymore. Alrighty, so now going into uh, 90s drug legislation. So the the main focus of the 90s was around, sadly, it was around incarcerating people on charges of weed and, um, you know, allocating resources towards that, despite the fact that um, only one out of 18 arrests resulted in a felony. You know, on top of that, uh, another big epidemic with very little... Um, appropriate government response was the introduction of uh, methamphetamine individual labs within um, California and also other western states. So these, um, the, the, la the lack of resources being allocated towards weed allowed for, I would say, a, a more organized spread of methamphetamine in the 90s. And on top of that, um, uh, so yeah, many, other resources were focused on, on fighting organized crime, but it was it was mainly towards uh, possession of weed charges a lot uh, with a lot of the arrests that we see. Um, we also see the first yes we also see near the end of it the first wave of uh, really prescription opiates becoming a big issue with addiction and other things like that. Uh, 1999 is when most of the um, uh, data starts popping up about you know uh, opiate addiction and opiate abuse and then later. Um, uh, just um, opiates in general. So, you know, going back into, into methamphetamine, things like epinephrine, uh, some of the main ingredients, or ephedrine, some of the main ingredients in um, methamphetamine were allocated from, from uh, buyers that drug companies got their cough medicines from. And so the uh, availability of these substances to organized crime, specifically in Mexico, allowed for massive amounts of addiction to skyrocket within the mid to late 90s. And so that, that pretty much centers um, or compromises the rest of uh, the 90s. And so, Eric? Yeah, so um, talking about the 2000s, we're heading into um, Bush's term, right? And Bush, even though he was trying to do some stuff like trying to um, get the rap, uh, like he, but <clears throat> what I meant to say was Bush like, was witnessing, like, a very large escalation of, uh, militariz militarization of domestic draw law enforcement, right, um, and, um, there were around, like, 40,000 paramilitary-style SWAT raids on Americans every year, mostly for non-violent drug law offenses, and, uh, basically, it, it did stall while, um, he was, uh, president, but um, the state-level reforms finally began to slow the growth of the drug war. And um, the legalization of marijuana was big, too, uh, in, most country, uh, in, in most states in uh, the U.S., uh, making it legal for adults. Uh, but still, uh, 700,000 people were arrested for uh, marijuana offenses each year, and almost 500,000 people still behind ba bars for nothing more than a, um, a drug uh, a, a drug, um, whatever it's called, a violation. So, um, during Trump's era, we're gonna skip through Obama, uh, because a big, a lot happened in 2017, uh, a big rise 
of um, stuff. And, and uh, Trump really cracked down on it. He built a wall where he attempted to um, <laughs> to block off the drug druggies from entering the country, and he um, made uh, the death. Uh, he he had like a death penalty for people who sell drugs. And um, he also resurrected the Just Say No messaging aimed at youths. Say no to drugs, all that. Um, and, the, and, and then because of COVID-19, it was a, a public health crisis that exposed the system at systemic issues within our society and revealed just how deeply the drug war permeates these systems. Uh, basically made like you know, people in jail and people with sus- substance use disorder uh, go back to marijuana after they had to kick everyone out. Of the, <laughs> yeah, they had to kick everyone out of the prisons and put them on house arrest because of all the COVID spreading through, right? And so, um, also, uh, yeah. So marijuana uh, reform was very big during these times, and um, and yeah, I think that's around it. I'm just gonna wrap that up. So. So yeah, going over um, from the 70s to the 2020s, I would say that uh, drug legislation has been incredibly ineffective in actually stopping abuse, uh, addiction, and overdose. In so many circumstances, I would say that there's been millions of unfair um, convictions, and you know that that had no long-term benefit to anyone. And going yeah, going into this, we just see the ineffectuality of our of our governance system and uh, and how how they treated this. And, you know, all we can have is really hope that, you know, better change or better, uh, better ideas come about on how to handle substance abuse and hardcore to softcore drug, drug use. And, you know, going off of that, this is the, um, you know, War Without End podcast, our last installation. Thank you so much for uh, being here throughout, throughout our journey. And so...